Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. We have hit the buy period, and it's going to open up the game, especially with injuries hitting uh, quite a few teams this week, Jep. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, where the pre-planning comes to play, and um, it's going to be a trying time for all coaches. I don't think any coach is going to escape some sort of curveball. Let's hope the fixture stays in place so we can get uh, a lot of strategy hitting over the next few weeks at least. Okay, Jet, let's get into it. As always, if you retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter, you go in with a chance at scoring a plus six podcast cap, smash out that retweet button, and we're going to give a few more away in the next couple of weeks. Also, uh, AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, jump on, follow, plenty of fantasy content there for you as well. All I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets and afrratings.com.au. Got some injury information going up tomorrow on the website and got some fantasy stuff coming up at the end of the week, so just keep an eye out there as well. Remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, June 1. And as always, as always, the most important thing I say each week, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Okay, Jep, let's go. General questions. What are the three most important things to remember this week? Week one of the buy period. So we, we're planning ahead, yeah? So we've got to plan all out. We've got to plan out all our trades, and I've done it to round 15. So... um Get the plan in place. I think planning ahead's number one. Number two is just balance teams. There's risk of fixture changes even during the buy rounds. We we can't eliminate that risk, so there is a chance it could happen. So make I think the best approach is yeah balancing your team as best as you can. And lastly, identifying the best captain choices for the buy rounds. I think um, you know making sure that either you're trading in. Those potential targets are going to go big in, in the buy rounds um, and, yeah, identifying the soft matchups in, during the buy rounds will, will help maximise your points. For me, crucially, have a balance. I agree with you right there and coverage for the upcoming three weeks. Uh, secondly, cash in this week where possible. So build a bank so next week uh, you can smash out those upgrades for sure. And the third thing for me is know how much your upgrades will cost next week so you can actually start to budget out that this week based on those teams on a buy. So therefore, those teams with round 12 buys, you actually know their price already. So that actually helps out with budgeting for those players. Okay, Jet, what are the three top areas listeners should be focusing in on for the second half of the season in order to improve rank? So points of difference, I think, number one, you need to identify those points of difference for those ahead of you. Um, you're not going to gain rank by the Villanella and safe trade options. You're going to have to take some risks. Number two is fixture analysis, identifying some soft matchups and some good runs for each team. And again, number three is cats and choices, making sure you identify who you think the highest player of the round will be and having those players. And, you know, that includes a Mitch Duncan. For me, uh, one or two different pivot spots that avoids ownership, just so you're not up against a wall of people in front of you. Also, remain focused 
on targeting players that slide drastically in salary so that you consider them as premium options and you can still target them for the remainder of the season. And finally, stay up to date on information. Avoiding an ownership plunge is just as good as a pivot to another premium scoring option. And we've seen that last year. I think it was Angus Brayshaw that he scored quite well. People thought that he was going to have uh, pretty big scores to finish the season, and yet he was in a negating role, and therefore his scores didn't actually eventuate. And you did have a lot of ownership go on to Angus Brayshaw. So that's the example from last year. So just finding uh, that pretty much where in ownership is going to go, and if you can start to put plenty of holes in that trade, well, then that's your pivot spot for the remainder of the year at least. Okay, Jeb, current assessments. Brody Grundy, out two to three weeks with a neck injury. What are your thoughts and replacement options? Off you go. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, timing is not ideal for fantasy coaches, but thankfully he's okay. He was up running again today, um, and it looks like it's not as serious as it could have been, so that's a big tick. Replacement options, you know, there's really three options. You can hold and try ride the wave of buy rounds and see it through to round 15, which is I think is really risky. Um, and then you can trade Grundy to uh, Ruckman are dropping like flies. Um, I think Sean Darcy is really the only option now that's um, pretty viable. Uh, I wouldn't do a Grundy to a Reeves and then just flip it elsewhere, um, spend up elsewhere, because effectively it's a, it's really a sideways trade by doing that. You're really doing Grundy to another primo um, via two trades. So whoever your R3 is, you, you have coverage um, to round 15 um, if you're going to go down that route. Yeah, like Darcy, he's actually been outstanding this year. We haven't mentioned him that much on the pod, but geez, man, he's put up some really good scoring games, eh, Jep? Yeah, yeah, and, and look, I actually thought of you yesterday and some of your, your comments that you make about the game turning to a more contested game in the wetter months. Mm. You know, we're, we're hitting win- first day of winter today. You know, ideally we're going to get more wet weather football. The big unit of Sean Darcy is going to love, you know, and he, he should, in wet weather footy, he'll get 40 to 50 tap-outs a game, depending on his matchup. So, um I think we need to account for that. You know, he's lighter on his feet. He's moving a lot better. His injury history in the past probably was related to being a bit top-heavy, mm. um, and he's fixed that up this preseason and last summer. Oh, and to me, he's on the cusp, if not a top-six forward. So when Grundy does come back, you know, you bring Grundy back in, or if he's looking good, or you, you play it safe with Darcy for a little bit and you can switch him to your forward line... There's a variety of options you can do, um, and it gives you that flexibility with Darcy's um, right forward status. So it's it's almost a no-brainer now, especially with Nankervis injured. Um, yeah, it's it's it stocks are dwindling in the ruck. Um, there's going to be a risk, a slight injury risk with with Darcy, but you could say that for every every player in the AFL at the minute. Um, the there's so many injuries, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I've got I've gone down a bit from bit of a different path here. Uh, for me, he doesn't necessarily need to be replaced with best 18 over the next three weeks. So we both agree on that. Um, I think there's an impact on top-ranked coaches, and this is why it opens up alternative options for this short term, and potentially if you move Grundy on. 
for the remainder of the season because it might take a while to get Grundy back in. So it's definitely a pivotal moment of the season for those chasing overall title. I think it's a, it's a really... Well, unfortunately for Grundy, he's injured, but injuries are part of the game. Again, unfortunately, but yeah, it definitely opens up the game. It's just another challenge added, another layer on top of this game. So the trade options, I've gone down a bit of a different path here. So for those that don't have Gorn, uh, which is probably not too many, but I think that's a pretty good option. Uh, but you only bank $3,000 there. So, but Gorn, pretty much the same player, a little bit less scoring average this year, but you know, you, you know what you're going to get with Gorn. A second option for me was actually Riley O'Brien. Now, he's put up some low scores this year, but, man, he's down now significantly in salary this year. So he's got the same buy as Collingwood. So you can bank 230k. So we know he does have a ceiling. So it's just whether you can trust him to put up those high ceiling gains for the remainder of the season. Now, again... You're not buying what he scored for the first half of the year. You're trying to forecast what he's going to score for the second half of the year. Well, if Philthorpe is into that team now, doing a little bit there. But I think O'Brien is a definite player. Yes, there is risk, but you need a little bit of risk in your game if you're going to differentiate yourself from other players chasing overall title. Uh, the, other, the other option there, obviously, you mentioned Ned Reeves. So it's going down to Ned Reeves and use the cash as a short-term uh, investment strategy. So for next week, once you hit uh, those teams that have come off the buy, you can potentially go three premium upgrades. But then you've still got the problem that you need to get Grundy back in at some stage. Um, the short term for Darcy Cameron, who's a forward only, um, could be an option there because, again, you only need... Uh, the best 18, so I would expect that Cameron might even be an option. So he doesn't have that dual status at the moment, forward only for Darcy Cameron. So he's going to be the number one ruck for the Magpies the next couple of weeks, but his matchups aren't that easy. You're up against Riley O'Brien and then Max Gorn, but we know he can score as well. So there's another option there that you might be able to put some points into your forward line if that's where you want to have coverage. What are your thoughts on all that, yeah, I mean, I don't mind having a punt on um, the guys you mentioned. And and when I say punt, it, it like you said, it's a top 18. So you're really giving yourself more of a chance to maximise your higher score. So that's a big tick for me. Um, but in essence, with Sean Darcy available and the likelihood that he'll be around the mark as a top six forward from this point to the end of the season, assuming he plays all games, I think that is the safer and shorter pathway to having the best team in the long run. Um, I think, well, Grundy will obviously drop a bit of cash. We'll, we'll need to check his fitness. By all accounts, he probably could have come back in round 13. Um, let's be honest. I don't think they're going to, need to do that. I, they did say two to three weeks in, yesterday, but there's probably a good chance that Grady could play next week. And how they approach it is anyone's guess. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And like you said earlier, I love the fact, especially for me, to try climb rank 
where it just opens up the game a little bit more for all coaches because all the highly ranked coaches are um, are facing the same choice and it's probably could go one of three ways. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because his timeline due back, uh, although we don't know it at the moment, that is a possibility that he could come back earlier. But if the nerve doesn't settle uh, in his neck area, that, that might be delayed again. So, yeah, when he returns... Um, is definitely going to have an impact on highly ranked coaches. So, and you're going to have to make a decision without knowledge, which is, you know, most people don't want to be in that position. So, you know, if you do trade him out and he gets up earlier, uh, which is next week, well, then you're in a bit of a pickle because he's going to come back and then you're going to have to get him back in at some stage. So potentially you might have wasted a trade or two. But if it's extended out, which, again, we don't know, um, yeah, if it's extended out, a lot of people who hold Grundy, uh, they're going to be in a pickle. So it's going to be an interesting development over the next few weeks. Uh, no doubt I'll be all over the news and posting it on Twitter. Any type of information, it'll be sourced. Other people will be sourcing information. So just keep an eye on accurate news over that period of time. Anyway, it's interesting. Opens the game up. Uh, final thoughts on that, Jeb. What do you think? Yeah, it's um, covering all bases, making sure you've got the options. Again, plan out the options in, in the whole buy rounds with all your trade strategies. Identify who you want to bring in in that round 13 because that's the most important part of the Grundy trade. Um, and, yeah, back yourself, back your decision. Okay, another one that's come out late on Tuesday is Toby Nankervis with his knee injury. So this happens in the first minute of the game against Adelaide in round 11. He completes the game and is now out for an extended period. So the Tigers uh, have Marby Choll and Callum Coleman-Jones in the team. So Choll is 348k ruck forward and Callum Coleman-Jones is 368k ruck forward. Now, pre them coming into the team, uh, they did a lot of dual combination in that uh, VFL team for Richmond um, in ruck and played forward. But also in that team there as well, and he's pretty raw at the moment, is Samson Ryan. I think they will go with Callum Coleman-Jones and Marby Ochoal early, but it's going to be interesting. And don't forget, Tom Lynch is out of that team as well. So the Tigers are really pressed for tools at the moment. So I think that's going to be the combination at the moment. I don't even think these two are options. They might be. Callum Coleman-Jones might be at 368k. But, yeah, that is high risk for me there. And, and Samson Ryan at a, at, a, at a stretch that he plays. But it might be one of those things where we need to uh, pay attention to what Damien Hardwick says, how this ruck situation is going to break out for the Tigers over the period that Toby Nankervis is out. What are your thoughts, Jep, on Toby Nankervis? Yeah, it's um, how Richmond play it is interesting, but look, this is the thing. Like, Coleman Jones needed four goals to get to his mm-hmm. 70. Now, yeah, he'll play more midfield, more ruck. You'd, yeah. say, you'd say he's the number one ruck mm-hmm. if they go with that setup of Chol and Coleman Jones. So it is tempting. Um, it's a lot of money to spend on a, a choice that could go pretty sour, yeah. I think. Um hence the Darcy call. But, um, yeah, there's other... I know we're limited for downgrade targets, um, but I, I just urge everyone to be safer with the Ruck R2 call because it just seems to be the, the cursed position every season. Okay, Jeff, on to the next subject. Actually came from a Twitter question from Michael Teal. 
actually got me thinking on the debuts for 2021 and what we can look forward to for the remainder of the season. I do track these on Twitter uh, just to give us a bit of a guide on uh, what we have gone through with regards to debuts this season and what potentially we could be looking at for the remainder of the year. So I've completed a little bit of research. So uh, Michael's question was based on, do the numbers from 2018 and 2019 indicate an increase in debutants in the second half of the season, uh, i.e. teams who have given up on making the eight and thus give the kids a shot? So I did go back and split them up between teams that made finals and then teams that didn't make finals to see if there was any correlation with higher um, numbers of debutants. So in 2018, teams that made... So this is from round 12 onwards, Jep, to the round, round 23. Yep. So 2018, uh, teams that made the finals uh, was an average of 1.8 debuts from each team. And the teams that did make finals was also 1.8, so nothing there. In 2019, it was again, it was 1.8 from the teams that made finals. And from the teams that didn't make finals, you'd think it would go up, but it went down 1.4. So what I can get out of all that, it doesn't actually matter. And that's just only a small sample size of two years. But what I did get out of that was the actual uh, a base number of 1.8, which I think is pretty safe to forecast per team for the remainder of the year. But then you have to factor in that we are on reduced list sizes this year, but we do have the mid-season draft coming in tomorrow night. So a little bit of a leeway. So where I have settled is an average of 1.6 per team, which I think it's a bit safe. Uh, so less than 1.8, so reduced list sizes. So I've settled on 1.6 by 18 teams. And it works out to be 29 debuts for the remainder of the season. So I did a little bit of a scan there as well to see how many players that are in range uh, fewer than 300k salary. So it's 202 players, so not necessarily a debut, but there are 202 players listed below 300k. So we do have options. It's just potentially the premium options for fantasy on debuts and rookie type price players are potentially gone for the season. There are a few remaining, and hopefully we do see them scattered out for the remainder of the season so that we can take advantage on salary downgrades. But you've got to imagine with uh, little premiums remaining that most people are going to head to the same player, so there's going to be ownership plungers on all of those. So, Jeb, I think we've got about 29 remaining uh, for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think what we need to account also is there's more injuries this year than any other season I can remember. So, more injuries, more likelihood of debutant. So it's it's really hard this week, and it's probably going to be hard over the next month. But, yeah, then when teams start to um, lock away their – well, give up on their chances of a top eight, then we'll see a bit more in the latter rounds. Okay, Jeff, break evens to target that are playing this week only. Uh, so currently we only have three that have a negative break-even, so it's going to run through them very quickly. So Trent Bianco, he appears to be a non-negotiable. He was assessed for a knee injury on the weekend as well. Uh, Buckley said post-game that he was he appeared to be okay, so I don't think there's an issue there, but keep in mind that might be an issue. So 198k minus five break-even. The next one, Nick Bryan. Now Sam Draper's on the road to return, so it might be a while before we see Nick Bryan play 
in the team for the Bombers, and they're actually going okay. So it could be a bit of a hold there on Brian. He's 195k minus three break even. And the third one there with a negative break even, James Madden, 229k for Brisbane, minus one break even. Jet Bianco, he's a non negotiable this week. He will have massive ownership. What are you thinking? Yeah, uh, on Bianco's debut, it was a good game from him. He started like a house on fire. Probably blew up after going so hard in that first quarter a little bit. Um, his role was half forward, but he looked active. Mm. So he very smart AFL player, very good at reading the play, knowing where to be, and and always moving. Some people can be flat-footed. Some people, some players can be flat-footed, young players especially. Um, and he just seems to be always on his toes, ready to go. So love the look of him. Big tick. Got to trade him in. Um, yeah, Brian and Madden, I don't think they play. Um, we've got Leicester returning, yep. potentially, and that's unfortunate. I did flag that over the last couple of weeks with those that did bring in Madden. Um, hopefully he gets up and, and um, owners can rejoice for a week before the buy round for Brisbane. So, um, yeah, it's slim pickings. So just a couple of special mentions here. I'm going to hit on one, and you're going to do the other. So Ned Rees for the Hawks, 245K, has the buy this week. However, if you're sitting on Matt Flynn still, you can cash down to him this week and you know lock in that money for an upgrade next week. Not necessarily you have to do it this week. You can do it next week, but make sure you do get the upgrade money in to do some damage elsewhere. So just based on his job security, I think it's actually going to be quite healthy. He was good on the weekend against uh, Gold Coast, uh, but Zach Smith isn't really the biggest matchup of all time at the moment, but I thought he was actually quite good. So I think he's going to see a fair few opportunities for the remainder of the season. What are your thoughts on Reeves, Jeff? Yeah, I'm playing it safe personally. I'm going to wait till next week. But again, it's a huge advantage to free up that cash with the one trade this week because mm. it's really round 12 trades. The first buy round is always about generating cash. So you are taking a punt, but the punt can really pay off. Um, unfortunately, I'm stuck with, um, oh, what's his name? Hunter from St. Kilda as my R3 still. So I'm going to wait for next week, but um, if I didn't have Hunter there, I, I'd definitely upgrade this week and make the cash. It's it's where Hawthorne are at. They're obviously in a rebuilding phase. They can't make top eight. Um, it, he looks yeah, he looks like he's going to be a really good tap rutman. His taps to advantage will get there. Yeah, yeah. and um, and that's what that's the value add of, of what he provides for the Hawthorne Football Club. So. Um, yeah, it's you just never know. Probably a low risk though that he doesn't play around 13. And the next player there that you wanted to put on the radar for the pod was Mark Hutchings. So give me your thoughts there, Jeff. Yeah, so with Mark Hutchings, obviously West Coast are absolutely decimated with injury. Um, we got Hutchings as a mid forward. Now he has had two or three weeks in the waffle from memory, and he's got his fitness back. And at $308,000, he's one likely to go straight in the midfield. So it would probably be Redden and um, Sheed as your two top mids. Um, And then Hutchings comes in after that. Now, obviously, Hutchings forward status is the appeal. Yep, 308 grand. But I think a 70 plus is realistic from him. Obviously, loves a tackle. 
and um, he's a heart and soul player, so he gives his all. I think that's an option if, you know, the likes of um, Madden don't transpire and you don't want to take the risk with Reeves. I think looking at Hutchings is, is a decent uh, play. Okay. Who are your top five targets for round 13? So that's not this week. That's looking ahead to next week. So this is planning out our trades. And also, obviously, with those players that are on a buy this week, we know their price for next week. So we can actually start to budget that out. So um, top five players, Jep, who have you got? And then I'll give my top five. So off you go. So in order, it's Duncan, Whitfield, Guthrie, Houston and Ollie Wines. Interesting. Um, I went for Whitfield at number one. He's going to have monster ownership next week, and I think uh, it's pretty much a non-negotiable that coaches need to hit up him next week. Uh, those that don't have Tom Mitchell, uh, he's in the ballpark again, high ball winner, high ceiling. So for me, number two, Tim Taranto, for those that don't have um, I, he's going to have to pay up over 800k for him, but again, high ceiling type player, wins plenty, plenty of his ball inside and outside. Um, I'm putting a bit of a unique in here, and it's Took Miller. Man, he has a monster ceiling, so he won't have that much ownership, so that's the reason I'm putting him in my top five. Um and Gold Coast are hanging on to the ball with plenty of uncontested marks this year. They are ranked number one. So Miller, when they get going through that midfield, as we did see against the Hawks, even though it was a really soft matchup, um, Miller and Alice got going quite nicely, and Miller can just put up a monster ceiling game. And number five for me, I agree with uh, you on this one, it's Mitch Duncan. So I don't think he will have strong ownership as well. So there's potentially another unique there as well. Uh, what are your final thoughts on those players, Jeff? Yeah, I think um, Taranto's highly owned. Uh, Whitfield will be highly owned. I, I threw a couple of uniques in there just to mix it up at this stage of the season. We um, The reason why I didn't mention Tom Mitchell just quickly is Hawthorne obviously lagging on their on-field performances. So when a team's up and about, and let's take the obvious one, Melbourne Demons, you know, you've got Petrarca and Oliver playing super well. Harms is amongst it. The, the energy's there, and when your teammates are playing well, you generally play better. Where, you know, at Hawthorne, not so much a happy team at Hawthorne at the minute, and that um, extra possession or extra ball movement with the plus six and a mark kick or whatever it is, Tomix is not getting that and potentially would not get that going forward if Rich, if Hawthorne don't improve, improve their performances. So, yeah, it's... I'm a bit off Tom Mitchell, and sure, there'll be a time in this season where he scores 125, and no doubt people jump on Twitter and let me know about it. But on the on the long projection of it, I think um, it's a buy beware. Okay, so of your top five there, uh, which one do you think will be heavily targeted? Uh, oh, Whitfield, for sure. Okay, um, so who is the player that will be least targeted? Duncan. Yeah, so from... He's too expensive, and he's got a high break even. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not scared at this point of the season to, if a player's got a high break even, like a Duncan, a Guthrie, I'm not scared to lose a bit of cash for a, a one- or two-week point gain. Um, you know, GWS play North Melbourne in round 13. 
and there's captain choices associated with that and VCs and all that kind of thing. So I think Whitfield or if you don't have Taranto, Taranto's another one. Um, but yeah, it's just about being a little bit sneaky. Um, having the three trades per week allows you to get to these expensive players. So um, why not do it now? You know, we we do often talk about the value picks, and that is important in a sense. But risk and reward with a ceiling player. I mean, you mentioned Took Miller. Agree with you wholeheartedly. Massive ceiling. Captain that or VC that, and you are laughing to the bank unique. with 160 last week. Unique. Okay, and a unique. So it can really, really push you up the rankings faster than you'd think. So a bit of a trick here, Jeb, is that players with a high break even, so now at the second half of the season, we're targeting premium players, we're emptying the bank. Is that correct? You agree with that? Yeah. Yep. So a bit of a trick here, Jeb is that uh, we've talked a lot about ownership last year and not so much this year because uh, we're going to focus on that the second half of the year because we're going to have to find listeners points of differences to finish out the year. So we'll get on to that. But a bit of a trick on break-evens, when a player's got a high break-even, yes, you're going to lose some cash, which I agree with you, but guess what? It means people wouldn't be willing to go early. So... Don't be afraid of paying up, you know, an extra 20 or 30 grand for someone and getting in early on that player, particular player, especially with a really good matchup. I think it would be money well spent. And if they do hit that, if, you know, if somebody's got a 150 break even, like a Duncan who can hit that, and let's just throw uh, Whitfield, who's got a break even of 150, which he doesn't, but I'm just throwing this in the example. Don't be afraid to go early. Ownership, well, not Whitfield, but like Duncan, don't be afraid to go early with a great matchup. And exactly what I agree with you, right, as you've just said there, and you've, you've got to know that people won't be willing to pay the money. They'll wait one more week, and waiting one more week can actually put you in the pack rather than put you out in front. What are you thinking there? 100%, mate, 100%. Um, and getting to these players is a bit harder without Scrundy there, um, for me anyway, this first week or second week. So, yeah, it, this is where this Grundy trade really hinges on what else you do. But, um, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, just on Grundy, I actually didn't ask you, would you trade Grundy or not? Um, I'm going to hold for a week. So I'm, but that, I'm trading. Yeah, but that is just because I'm light on round 12 primos. Mm. So imagine again, and it's a small chance, but say Grundy plays in round 13. Everyone's going to spit it Mm. um, because 90% have traded him out, and I'll be quite happy about it. So I um, I think most people hold, though. Yeah, uh, because, no, you, I because think, you don't need to cover him. You actually just need to have 18 players. It doesn't matter what that position they're in. Well, I ask, I don't know how others are placed, but if I just go through the popular players, Josh Kelly's a popular round 12, Aaron Hall's evil, hmm. and Tom Phillips is probably still a little bit popular. So there's a round 12 um, influx of premiums there. You've got Taranto... Um, yeah, okay, not many have Duncan, so you probably cover it in your midfield. 
and you definitely cover it in your back line. But there's Isaac coming. Um, oh, Houston's probably in, potentially another one. So there might be a couple of coaches really loaded with round 12 primos that just need to balance it out a bit. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how it's going to play out. If a lot hold, then trading grunt. If, if I'll put it this way, if you think the majority of top end coaches, and let's take top, the top five thousand coaches, right? If you think the majority of grunt of owners are going to hold Grundy, then you trade Grundy because it's about points, and you trade into Darcy because effectively Darcy's that top six forward, regardless of what happens. Well, yeah, Brian. Or Riley O'Brien. Well, that I wouldn't do, but that's me. I'm, I get scarred for life with decisions like that. I think that can really derail your whole season, but that's me. Um, and those that hold Grundy, you know, the risk of Grundy coming back, one, in tip-top shape, two, um, do they protect him with Darcy Cameron and he plays, like, more forward than Ruck? You know, a lot can, a lot can happen um, and a lot can play out with Grundy. So... They're unknowns that, again, sting sting you for the long term, round 15 onwards. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting call. I think my, many will trade Grundy. I think many my, of the top I think most holes. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, okay. So I'll, there I'll, we go. So I'll put that poll up on Twitter in a moment and see where people yeah, are. Yeah, it, it's interesting how it will pan out because if I, I just think – I went into these buy rounds a little bit lighter on the round 12 primos deliberately in my planning. Um, and those with, and the two that I don't have Zeeble and I don't have Taranto and I don't have Cumming, unfortunately. I wish I did. Um, now they're the three that pending everyone's teams might not, um, not be able to be covered with Grundy as well. So yeah, it's interesting how that will play out. All good. We'll finish on the Grundy there. So just on my top five there, going back to that combo. So Whitfield, Mitchell, Taranto, Miller and Duncan. So out of those five, I think that the heaviest target will be Whitfield. He is the target next week. It is just, it's nothing else. It's just him. So he'll be one target. Uh, you probably need to do two upgrades next week at a very, very much at a minimum. So uh, again, make sure you budget and put money in the bank this week. And the lightest ownership uh, was Took Miller. Uh, he's up there in price, and I think uh, most people still won't trust Gold Coast, but, man, they are the number one ranked team this year for uncontested marks. And that means a lot of fantasy points there are going to premium-type players. So underweight he will be. He can be a target for sure with light ownership. Okay, Jet premium plays the target. So this is back on our general conversation that we've had this year. So these are less than 750k break even, uh, less than 100. So we're only going to talk about players this week that are playing in round 12. So I'm going to run through these players quickly and just give me a quick line on each. So Dane Zorko, 747k break even, 92. What are you thinking? Uh, yeah, safe bet. Yeah, I don't, mind, I don't mind it as well. Obviously, I brought up his injury situation with regards to his managing his Achilles, and that's injury dates back to last year. But he's playing, so and he can put up uh, pretty good ceiling numbers as well. Another one which will virtually have no ownership is Luke Dunstan, 711k, break even 88. What are you thinking? Oh, that's an interesting one. Post-buy round, I would have been for it, 
but pre during the buys, I'm not. Oh yeah, I'd say no. Yeah, it's definitely got uh, a little bit out of the comfort zone for many, but he can get it going. He might be worth another look. Um, I wouldn't think it's going to cost you too much money for another look there as well. Patrick Cripps, again, and that over 100 points, so he was quite solid on the weekend against Sydney, 6.48k. What are you thinking, Jep? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've watched him, him in a fitness sense, and he looks okay. Like, he doesn't look hampered by any injury. So I think it's a, it's a good play. Obviously, there's going to be a point where he gets tagged. So just be ready for that. Uh, the next one, which I've mentioned as well, uh, Riley O'Brien, 568k. So he's way down in price. Break even of 90. I think, for me, it's a, it's a major like there. You, there is risk. What are you thinking there, Jeff? Yeah, look, the num- the, everything stacks up. His past performances, his break even, his price, tick, 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 tick. But you want the guy to perform from this point onwards. And... From what we've seen this season, he's just up and down like a yo-yo. I think he's played three good games in 11. And, um, yeah, I just can't do it. I just I would not do it personally. Because if he continues to stink it up, then you can kiss your high ownership goodbye as far as I'm concerned. Okay, two things here. If you had offered me 568k pre-round 12 for Riley O'Brien in the pre-season, I would have said I am trading him in 100%. I wouldn't have cared what he scored. Um, And secondly, uh, we are targeting overall AFL Fantasy Classic, so we are gunning for highly ranked positions. So to quote the great Ricky Bobby, Jep, if you're not first, you're last. So you're going to have to put it on the line somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a risk that could pay off. Don't get me wrong. I just think if you're a betting man, would I put a hundred bucks on O'Brien, um, you know, performing 90 above, average 90 and above for the rest of the season, and I'd put it under. So for those that don't know Ricky Bobby, uh, Google is your friend. Okay, next <laughs> for the next one, Dustin Martin. So I actually traded in Dusty last week on the back of your call calling him lazy, so I thought, well, I'll go against Jeff again, so it'd be good. <laughs> So 565k break even of 73. Uh, my theory was based on if the, look if the Tigers are going to hit form in the second half of the season, you've got to be thinking Martin's going to be part of that. Absolutely. So, so 565k break even of 73. He was pretty good on the weekend. Um, I think it's a big target here, Jeff. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think on the weekend what happened is Richmond were in control pretty much the whole game. Um, so he, he can take the foot off the gas. When he when he doesn't need he doesn't um, you know in that grand final last year and that's one of the best performances of football I've ever seen in my entire life and he just went because it was a grand final it's like this is my show I'm I um it's my time it's time to perform but sometimes with a good players just know they do enough like Dangerfield sometimes just does enough does that make sense for the team to win and um, I think. Dusty can get caught out doing enough. I think on Optus Stadium this weekend against Essendon, it would be a very interesting game. Um, it will suit the Tigers and it will suit Dusty, and I expect Dusty to turn up personally. So the next player here, Isaac Kenny, he was fantastic on the weekend, but the one thing you need to remember with his score last weekend, it was great. I'm not complaining about it whatsoever. But Carlton have been absolutely torched on inside 50s, and um, if you 
remember back to the early part of the season when Degoe lit him up as a forward? You know, Heaney's that type of player, that small, medium type forward. And, and man, they have been lit up with regards to uh, conceding marks in for inside 50. So just be aware of that. However, another scenario popped up again from uh, Swans coach John Longmire, who said that he's been managing uh, week to week and that will be ongoing for a little bit of period of time. And if he's sore, he won't play. So that has just got to be alarm bells everywhere. So he's at 5.39k, Jeb. He's at break-even at 25. He is still a target for me. He had his ankle surgery last year, which was quite major. Uh, he had his hand injury, and he's broken his thumb since. So you've just got to be aware that, you know, and through the bye period, we can't have players resting, especially with now with massive injuries. So pretty much to every fantasy coach. So... You know, are we? You know, you're gonna miss that price at 539k if you wait. You know, do players target him him now? I still think it's a yes, but man, there's some alarm bells here, Jeff. It's a firm no for the injury risk. It is just astronomically disastrous if one of your cheaper primos is not playing. So we'll, I think we'll know before teams, will we not? So. Let me just double-check that. So, yeah, well, no, they play Saturday morning um, or Saturday afternoon your time. Uh, So, yeah, we'll know if Heaney's in. And, obviously, it's a rolling lockout, so see if you can leave that trade for as late as you can and have a backup plan. Um, I I think Heaney, if he played like he did on the weekend, and, and again, like, Carlton had no matchup for him. They couldn't stop him. And the inside 50s, like you said, were just... It was just carnage. So, um, but he looked like he was moving freely to me, yeah. and he was jumping at the ball, getting it at the peak of the flight of the footy. Like he was jumping, yeah, he's timing his leap sensationally well, playing to his strengths, like he did three years ago when he was a top six forward. And um, Carlton yeah, did that to you. Yeah, yeah, um, and my eyes lit up just in looking at Heaney and the way he was moving and his fitness. Um, that's why I was a little bit shocked at what Longmire said yesterday. And Longmire has a reputation for throwing a few darts to the public and opposition teams. So, yeah, um, play that one out with a backup plan, I think. Yeah, and the Swans going to have a bye, so he's going to get a rest period there at some stage as well. So, just yeah, just manage it. I think it's okay, but, yeah, you just got to pay attention to that news. The next one in here is Brad Crouch, 684K, getting up there in price, break even of 88 uh, the Saints did have a soft matchup against the Kangaroos, so you've got to keep that in mind. I don't think ownership would be heavy at this stage, um, and he can score. What do you think in there, Jeb? I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind Crouch at all. I think St Kilda is a team, and I've looked at their run during the bye rounds and after, and it's a run I'm happy with. So I think targeting guys like Crouch is uh, is pretty wise. Our next player in here, Jack Chris, uh, plenty of midfield usage for the Magpies at the moment, which is good. And Taylor Adams is now sidelined through injury. So 742k, break even of 95. You've got to expect that he's going to be in there for a long period of time in that midfield for the Magpies. Jep, I think you have him. Do you like him still? Yeah, I've, um, I've had him, I think, since round two. So, yeah, love him. Love him, love what he did on the weekend and... Um yeah, I'm glad I'm an owner. He um, he just um, he he's a safe bet with his injury history. Dare I jinx it? Um, and um, Buckley loves him. 
I just I find him one of Buckley's favourites and he gets the role as a result and you know the theme in my backline in my fantasy team at the moment I've got Mills, Laird and Crisp and they're all midfielders mm. but they're defender status um, I've got Jake Lloyd and, and Jaden Short as well so yeah it's um, it's a wise pick given the centre bounce attendances he's, he's not that expensive he's still pretty still there, decently yeah. priced so um, yeah worth jumping on Okay, uh, thanks for the listeners for sending in players that they want us to discuss. Uh, so time to play like or dislike to finish off the podcast, Jep. So we're going to do a 10-pack to finish. Uh, first uh, player mentioned, Nick Haynes. Now, we did see him take a lot of intercept marks last year for the Giants, and that was a slow-moving, defensive, um, hold-the-ball type game plan from the Giants last year in shortened games. So this year he struggled to get it going, but he's now down at 445k, can you believe it? So let me just check that price again, because that looks like a typo. But no, no he, he's he would 445k. Yeah. So he can get it going. Um, so averaging just 59.5 for the season. I think, you know, if, you, if you're struggling to find some coin there, I don't mind the pick, Jet. What are you thinking? I like. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind the pick at that price at all. Like, yeah, sure, he needs to have the form of last year um, and beyond. So there's no reason why he can't get to that. Especially like, bar last week, I think the Giants are up and about, and I think the team unity is there again. Um, they really struggled to to unify and come together last season for whatever reason. So you look at the body... They've been pretty solid. They've been pretty solid for me. Yeah. So you look at the body language of all the players, led by Josh Kelly, acting captain at the minute. Um, You know, Mummy's giving them leadership and putting his body on the line, as he always does. Um, Yeah, Whitfield, given the gut running and and that what the leadership comes with that, you know, running to your puke, basically. So... They're up and about as a team, barring last week, and, um, you know, it helps Haynes' argument. So, yes or no, like or dislike? Yeah, like. Okay, next one, Bailey Dale. Not really talked about on this podcast this year, but he does get it done quite nicely for the Bulldogs. 642k, up there in price a little bit. Season average 82, last two 111.5, last four 97.3. Just quietly going about his business, Jeb. I like. What do you think yeah, I like to. I think he's um, he's probably one of the most improved players this season, if there's an award for that. I don't think there is, actually. Um, so, yeah, forward defender status is really the, the cherry. And guess where he plays this week? Off the stadium, a, a ground renowned for plus sixes. So he's going to be in his element on the weekend. And we know the Bulldogs are a high-disposal team. So the next one there, Callum Mills, 793k, getting up there in price now. Listen to this, Jeb. 108.9 season average. Fantastic. Last two, 105.5. Last four, 113.8. He's a high ceiling player. He did go back into defence to help out the cover for injuries, but it actually doesn't matter this year whether it's defence or midfield. He can be behind the ball during general play, but he does collect a lot of disposals, a lot of marks, intercept marks if he does help out back. But he's fantastic through that midfield. He's fantastic in defence. I think this is one of the safest picks this season. It's a massive like for me, Jeff. Yeah, uh, love him. Really love him. I think non-owners need to jump on. 
Next one, Braden Sear, or Braden Sire, however you pronounce it, uh, for Collingwood. Comes back in last week, he scores 92 points. Now, that game, as I mentioned in the solo podcast last night, was just a chip mark fest. It was just off the rails. Now, you've got to understand that Collingwood and Geelong both play that way. So it was just a game of, you know, we play this way, you play this way, and we're just going to keep it off, off each other. So C got in amongst that situation, and he scored 92. He was actually quite good. But he has struggled with consistency over his career from a fantasy perspective. Um, I think he's uh, battling for his career at Collingwood, so hopefully he does get an opportunity. But for me, at 369k, it is down there, and it is viable. Um, Taylor Adams is out, so a lot of pointers indicators say that you know this is one player that we should be looking at, and it may be. And my, I might have just talked myself into a like here, but I was going to say dislike, but, you know, I'll, I'll sit on the fence here, Jet. What are you thinking? No, I dislike. And the reason is, and I looked at him um, after that game on Saturday, his time on ground, the highest time on ground he's had this season is 69%. So against Geelong, just gone, he had 65% time on ground. So whether it's a fitness issue, a rotational issue, a role it looks to be a rotation and fitness issue, one of those, or both. Um, and for that reason, I dislike. Next player, Dan Houston, obviously had his shoulder concerns this year and had a couple of low-scoring games. Now, he was crunched last week, and I had concerns again that I'd copped another injury, but he actually got up and played on. So he got a massive knock or bump to his shoulder area. I don't think it was his same shoulder that he hurt, but he played on, scored well. So he, so he sees an average 81.9. It's down. He's down in price. Uh, 568K. I think he, for those that don't own him, I think he should be a massive target, Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, I agree. I, um, I'm looking to bring him in. He was one of my top five mentioned earlier um, of targets for next week, and that's to do with price and scoring potential. So 5% ownership at the minute too, uh, given the injury worries. So... Yeah, I think it's um, he pushes that top six defender status for the rest of the year and where Port Adelaide are going to be and being the best kick in that team, you think that's a pretty good formula for scores to come. Okay, we're going to hit on Isaac Heaney here again, but it's just a simple one word, dislike or like. So 539k, yes, he's down there, 108 0.7 last four, 109.5 last two, season average 76.3. For me, it's still like Jep. One word. Yeah, I like I like because I'm still struggling to finalise that that top the top six forwards. Okay. I really am. On to Christian Petrarca, 753k slide in salary this year and is going to slide more. So 130 break even suggests that you could wait until after the Melbourne buy. So last four, 93.8 average, 100.5 average from his last two, and season average, 106.1. We can go early on this, but with the Demons coming up for a buy, I think you can wait until after the buy for this one. Jet, what are you thinking on Petrarca? For me, I like, but, you know, at round 15 post-buy. Yeah, completely agree with you, and he's actually penciled in for me, if God willing, for round 15. He plays Essendon at the MCG. Again, a lot can change in since to then, so um, I like him a lot. Okay, Lockie Hunter uh, did miss one week with his hand injury. Comes back in, last four, 90.3, last two, 90.7, and season average, 85.7. But this is an injury-type play. Obviously, we know 
Dunkley's out of the team. Obviously, we know Trelaw's out of the team. So what role does he play? Does he move into a more fantasy-friendly role? I'm saying yes. Um, I believe you would be yes. So for me, it's 631k still. It's cheap enough for me. I think it's a like for me. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, it's a definite like for me. I traded him in last week. Next player here, James Harms. Pretty safe floor here. He's getting the scores done quite nicely. So last four, 90.3. Last two, 88.5. And season average, quite solid at 89.4. So his break-even is 68. And he's 578k. So the Demons have got two games before the buy. So he's potentially a player that you're going to make money on as well. Not only that, you're going to score. So his role, has he gone back into the midfield? Yes. Is he attending centre bounces at a solid rate? Yes. Did he? Now, he, last week, he the Demons did target, uh, not Bonsampelli, man. They went to the Liberatory. They went to the source of the action for the Bulldogs because they know Libet is the one getting the ball out to the, the runners and gunners for the Bulldogs. So he went in there and did a pretty good job on Liber. But the best part about Harm's role last week was that he was able to beat Libba on the spread. So when he was matched up on Libba, he just got to work, and that's how he came about to a very good fantasy score. So for me, it's a like, but last week was a premium while because he just ran off Libba and scored at a pretty decent rate, Jep. So for me, again, like, what are you thinking? I like as well. I think um, it's a pretty clever play at this point of the game. Unfortunately, I can't do it because I've got too many bloody round 14 primos um, defenders. So, um, yeah, if I didn't, I'd definitely be bringing him in. Our last player for the podcast is Caleb Sarong. So he was actually a target for me in the preseason. Uh, we thought he was going to put up some decent fancy numbers, but second year blues, he hasn't been able to get it done. And his midfield usage, high midfield usage, just is not there yet. So he's working his way into his AFL career. But what we want to discuss is his is he a viable option right now? So he's now dropped heaps in salary down to 557k, break even of 114, which suggests we can wait a little bit. But his last four was 66.5, last two 60.5, and season average 76.9. So for me, Jeb, I'm going to pass. I'm going to say dislike on Sarong, but I do like his fantasy prospects in the future. What are you thinking? Yeah, dislike this season. It comes back to what I said before about Tom Mitchell and not having that the, he's got the players around him, but the team's not performing well and, and the confidence is down. So I'm an advocate for picking players that are part of a team where the team's up and about and playing really good footy. All right, Jeff, big podcast that was. Well, I think we just hit around the hour mark, so quite a lot of information in there for listeners. So just a reminder... Uh, smash out that retweet button over this period especially because we've got some more hats to give away and I promise at some stage we're going to get to the beanie giveaway so we're going to get them made up and with the logo plus six on them and we're going to give them out at some stage but they do take a while to get made but we'll get there eventually all right one final thought Jeb before we end this podcast uh yeah plan ahead Stay on top of the news too, obviously. Things can change, the Madden situation, all the primos, the Grundy situation, stay on top of everything. Yeah, for me, it's pull out your wallet, pull out your ATM card, go to the bank, enter your PIN number, pull out your cash, and be loaded up for next week and just smash out those upgrades. Um, Again, to quote the great Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. Jeppa, that's it for this podcast, episode 89. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.
Thanks, everyone.